Amen. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. And what a good song. You know, there, there are several songs that thank the Lord. And you, we really need to be thankful to the Lord. That's, I was, love Thanksgiving. And uh, what a great time to remind us to be thankful. And, and you know what? Even thankful for the simple things like food, uh, a covering, a uh, roof over our head, shoes on our feet. And praise the Lord for those things. Uh, we, we, we in America, we're so spoiled many times. We just are. And, uh, and we ought to be thankful to the Lord. He's so good to us. Uh, that song goes right along kind of with our message as we look at uh, Revelation chapter number 4. And I started this chapter last week and, uh, and I was really looking at it and studying it and I, I kind of revised my, uh, my outline. I didn't revise the message, okay, you don't have to worry about that. But the outline, I, uh, uh, I like this outline a little bit better. I'm going to give you the whole outline for the whole chapter so that you can kind of have it. Uh, and, and, and it's easy in the book of Revelation to get lost in all the symbols and in all the uh, things that are described there. And, and really, it is, a, it is a, a curious book with lots, I mean, you, I read it and questions come to mind. What's this? What's that? What does this stand for? Who is this? What is that? And, uh, and I don't have all the answers to all those questions, to be honest with you. I got more questions maybe than I got answers, but, uh, uh, but it's a, a very uh, interesting book. And as I said at the very onset of the book of Revelation, uh, in the verse number one, in, in chapter number one, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what we can see and what we ought to see in the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so that's kind of what we want to look for. We want to understand, yes, the things that are to come. And, uh, and those are described in chapter 4. Of course, chapters 1 through 3, we saw the messages to the churches. And, uh, and they're straightforward. I mean, they're, uh, they're not terribly difficult. They, are, they apply to us. Uh, but in chapter 4, going forward, uh, the scene then changes from here on the earth up to heaven. And uh, last week we talked about the rapture. Let me give you the outline that I, I revised just minorly. And in verse number one, uh, we have the travel. And, uh, and I'll give you, I, I re-outlined this. Same message, just different, different outline. Uh, it's interesting because a door was open. Boy, that door is Jesus Christ. He said so. Uh, then the declaration of come up hither. And then the destiny, that's the things that must be hereafter. And uh, so that's verse 1. Uh, you have a, a three-point outline there. So uh, the travel is that first verse. Uh, and that's the, hey, we are traveling out of here. Praise the Lord for that rapture. Uh, the second point uh, is verses 2 through 7, and that is the throne. Uh, and that description of the throne, we looked at a little bit of that last week, uh, but I, I really only looked at a couple verses there, and, uh, and then we looked at all that description, so we will not revisit that. Uh, but then in verse 8 down through 11, we see the tribute, and that is the tribute to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the worship of Him. And, uh, and so that's kind of the whole outline for the whole chapter. And uh, we're going to look into all those details of that. So look with me in chapter 4. And I was going to start in verse number 2, but why not just start in verse number 1? Amen. And uh, we already did it, but we'll, we'll reread it. The Bible says in Revelation 4.1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. 
And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle, and the four beasts which... Uh, the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Wow, what a chapter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, God, for this scene in heaven that unfolds before our very eyes in, in this chapter. And Father, thank you for revealing yourself to John. And God, that he would record it and that we would have an accurate, uh, clear uh, recording of what he wrote. Father, thank you so much for that. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, help us to see, help us to understand. Father, this glimpse that is laid out before us in heaven and this scene and God will certainly thank you for that and God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done in Jesus precious name we pray amen as we look at this this chapter uh, of course the first verse we're not going to recover that I gave you that that brief outline but we're gonna look at the throne and again I'm not going to recover the things that we looked at all the stones and how they point to Jesus Christ as priestly heritage you'll remember and the promise with the rainbow that God wouldn't flood the world again and uh, and then of course the uh, the other one that was there that escapes my mind right now but uh, but we have those things that are the the around the throne but I want you to notice that around this throne not only is uh, God setting on the throne but in verse number um, four the Bible says, and around about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. 
As we picture this throne, this is what John saw when he was, uh, when he was uh, uh, given this, this very clear vision of heaven. And, uh, and as he sees this, we see this description and these, we see, of course, Christ on the throne. We talked about that. But then the calling of these elders, as they're titled elders. And uh, an elder is a leader in the New Testament. Let me just explain this. Uh, the New Testament, many times, elder is used as a pastor. Uh, but, but elders in the Old Testament were generally the leaders of that family or of that tribe. And so really, uh, as we look at this, uh, we're taking the idea that, hey, they were uh, elders or leaders or representatives. And, uh, and it's interesting just to look at them. And you say, well, pastor, who are they? Well, I don't know exactly. Uh, but I tell you this, uh, this was one of the best um, descriptions, I guess, that I read of it was this. They said uh, in the Old Testament, of course, there's how many tribes? Twelve tribes. And of those tribes, there would be twelve leaders. In the, uh, the stones of the Old Testament, they had those, uh, those twelve stones represented those twelve tribes. Well, in the New Testament, you have the twelve apostles. You say, wait a minute, pastor, one died. Yeah, one did. And then he was replaced. You remember that. And we've talked a lot about the apostleship of Paul and how uh, God, I believe God used Paul as the apostle uh, and he would make up that 12th apostle. And, uh, and so I don't know, and I'm not saying dogmatically this is exactly how it is. I'm just saying it is curious and it fits very well that there's 12 tribes, 12 apostles, and therefore 24 that would merely be representatives of Christians, both in the New Testament and Old Testament, uh, that are saved. And, uh, and I don't want to get lost in the weeds. I mean, you get, there's a whole lot you can cover on that. Uh, but, but just understand, hey, that's the count of those 24. Uh, perhaps that's it. In 1 Chronicles chapter number 24, you can go back and read it later. Uh, but there are, um, they, they lay out some of the, they call the priests together. And, and they have representatives from every, uh, tri or not tribe, because the, the tribes were only Levites. And so they have representatives of those families to represent the, the people of Israel. And, uh, and so it is kind of foreshadowed, even in the Old Testament, of things that were to come. And so uh, we just see that there are, there are 24 uh, elders that are sitting around the throne. Uh, I find it curious because I was reading a lot uh, of different ideas and thoughts, and some would say thrones and some would not. I think they're just simply chairs. The Bible says here, in verse number 4, round about the throne that's God's throne, were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. And he doesn't clarify further that they were thrones, they were merely seats. Uh, and so I would not elevate these guys to a place of, of being uh, priests or, or kings maybe would be a better term. Uh, but they were sitting in seats. But I will say this, it is curious they're sitting close to the throne of God. And that represents a spirituality that is there. Uh, and the fact that they are close to God. Uh, and that is certainly an interesting thought. I want you to notice their clothes. Because uh, the Bible mentions it. They're clothed in white raiment. Listen, white raiment stands for purity. 
Uh, there's no doubt about it. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Praise the Lord for the purity of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, from an artistic standpoint, it doesn't make sense to us. God's color scheme is a little different than ours. Uh, you don't mix red. Our, skin, our sins are as scarlet, the Bible says, and mix the red blood of Jesus and come out with white. But that's how God describes it. And that's what happens in the Bible. So uh, God has a different way of mixing colors than we do. And I just know that that white stands for the purity uh, and the fact that they are covered. And, uh, and so uh, as we look at this, we're just talking about those four and 20 elders that are sitting there. And I want you to notice this. Because it's interesting, they're wearing uh, crowns of gold. And, uh, and you think, well, what are those crowns of gold? These are not kingly crowns. Uh, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Save your spot here in Revelation. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. And verse number eight, there's several crowns. We could pause and look through all of them in the scripture, but I just want to see this one just for reference sake. But, uh, but there's several crowns that a believer can receive, and one of those is for loving his appearing. The Bible says here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number eight, the apostle Paul writes and he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And so there's a crown of righteousness. And again, these are not crowns of righteousness. I love the words, I was, just as you read this. Uh, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And I think immediately, that's not for Paul's own appropriate uh, 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 personal righteousness. Because we're not righteous enough to get a crown. That's God's righteousness imputed unto us at the time of salvation. So we're not earning a crown because, man, I, I lived really good and I came to church and I always gave my tithe and I did this and I did that. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a crown that you receive uh, because of, of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But then you receive it. Why? Uh, because the, he says here, uh, shall give to... Um, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Hey, those that are looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and listening for that trumpet and saying, hey, maybe today is that day. Maybe this is the time. Hey, maybe uh, he's going to come and we're waiting and we're anxious and we're saying, hey, even so, come Lord Jesus, we're waiting for that. And he says, hey, unto them is given a crown. And so praise the Lord. Uh, there's some crowns that are going to be given out in heaven. Hey, listen, these, uh, these 20 and 4 elders uh, have a crown that is on their head. A crown perhaps of righteousness because they loved his appearing. Uh, perhaps another crown. The Bible talks about other crowns that we can earn, uh, we can have rather, and, uh, and that will be given to us. And so uh, I'm just saying that it's interesting. He says at that day. Well, this appears to be that day. 
uh, sometime between the time they arrived and the rapture and this scene unfolding, uh, there were crowns that were given out. And so we see those crowns of gold that are on their head. Look with me at the uh, verse number, that's verse number four. Look with me down at verse number six. We're talking about the crown. This is, or the, the, the elders rather, they are around the throne. We're talking about the description of the throne. I want you to notice as well in verse number six, the Bible says, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And uh, I don't know what all that means. You can dig into that. Uh, but I know this, that there is a clear sea that sits there before the throne. You kind of picture it. You're getting a glimpse. I hope that you're getting a glimpse of a throne that's setting in heaven. And, and there's perhaps there's 12 over here or 12 over here, maybe off to the front. or I don't know exactly. Maybe they're sitting behind them in a choir loft. I don't know exactly where they're placed. I just know that there's, uh, there's 24 elders uh, that are representing uh, Christians of all times. And they're there before the throne. And then there's this crystal sea that sits there. And look with me in verse number 6 as well. We get down there. There's four beasts, the Bible says. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And you say, boy, what, what are those beasts? And I don't know. Uh, isn't that helpful? Uh, I told you I don't know all of it. But, but I, we're going to look at it. We're going to describe it. But I do know this, uh, that, that they, they are there and they, they represent several things. Look at what it says. Somebody wrote this. Um, they said there's four of them, possibly from the northeast, south, and west, covering all sides of God. Uh, but it seems like the elders are sitting a little far out. Maybe these beasts are right here and here. Uh, and then the sea of glass would be before them. I'm just trying to help you picture what this would look like if we're looking at this great scene that would unfold. And those creatures, uh, look at the verse number 7 as it explains what they are. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had, the fa had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And, uh, and each of these uh, would represent several things. One, they, the lion would obviously represent strength throughout all Scripture. And so you have the strength that's represented. The calf and the ox, uh, or the calf or the ox, uh, would be uh, uh, the representative of the steadfastness and just laboring uh, on a regular basis. Man would stand for the uh, wisdom, the sagacity, uh, sagacity, sagacity, I don't know how you pronounce that word, uh, but I know it means wisdom. And then the eagle would stand for that swiftness. Uh, and eagles are quick and they, uh, they're powerful. And so uh, those would stand for those things. And we'll see a little bit later that they're, they're probably seraphims. Uh, and we'll go back, we'll look at a passage when we get to that portion that really overlaps between two things. But, uh, but a seraphim basically is an angel in heaven. And we don't know a whole lot about them. Matter of fact, they're, they're only used, uh, that word's only used two times in, in the Bible. And, uh, and we'll go back and look at it. But as we see this description, you can kind of get a glimpse and the idea 
of what this scene looks like. You have this uh, wonderful throne, the crystal sea that's clear uh, as glass setting before the 24 elders that are sitting around and these, uh, these beasts that are, are surrounding and they're probably in between the elders and God. And they're there uh, in that area. And look at the decree. We kind of skipped over verse 5 because that didn't fit in the description. But look at the decree that comes from this throne in verse number 5. The Bible says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of burning of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And the decree from the throne, the lightnings and thunderings, uh, likely stand for the judgment of God. And listen, as we see this glorious scene unfold in heaven, hey, listen, God, and we're going to look at this a little bit later at the, towards the end of the chapter in the tribute, but God's judgment is righteous and holy. God is right in his judgment. Sometimes we get, uh, sometimes man gets confused and we think, well, that's really harsh. No, listen, God established the law and God established the order way back when and he set everything in motion and said, hey, listen, you have to live under my rules and play by my rules. And if you do not, then there is a judgment that will fall. And, and listen, sometimes people are like, well, how can a loving God uh, judge people? Hey, he's loving because look at all the opportunities given us. I mean, you're here tonight listening and maybe you're, uh, you're not saved and you've heard messages. Hey, listen, God loves you and he's given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent and, and, and ask the Lord to save you. And if you haven't done that, then hey, listen, that's on your head. That's not on God's head. God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die on the cross. That's love. That's mercy. Uh, God could have started all over. I mean, uh, He could have scrapped the entire world and said, you know, I'm going to start all over. Uh, but He didn't do that. He said, no, I love man, and I want man to have an opportunity to change and have their life, uh, have their life uh, redeemed and saved. And so he did send his son. Uh, but we see around that throne, we see the judgment that is coming out. And we see the fullness of God. I talked about the seven spirits before. And um, it's curious in Revelation 1.4, uh, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. That's Revelation 1.4. And so we see that before. That is the fullness uh, of the Spirit of God uh, that is there before the throne. And as we see all that description, that is the throne that is in heaven. But I want us tonight to look at this, and that is the tribute that's given to Him. Hey, you look there in verse number 8, And the four beasts, each had of them, uh, had each of them, excuse me, six wings about Him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. What an amazing scene. As you see these, uh, these, these 
creatures that are around God, the one that's like a lion, the one that's like a, a, an eagle, the one that has the face of a man, and the one that has uh, the face of an ox, and, and, and they're crying out to God, Holy, holy, holy. Uh, we sang this morning this song, uh, 2.13, Holy, holy, holy. And boy, we, read, we sang that second verse, and, and it says this, Holy, 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 all the saints adore Thee, uh, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. And we sang that this morning, and I had already studied for this, and I thought, man, we sing about that. And sometimes we don't really think about it. But could you imagine just that glassy sea and seeing those, uh, those, uh, the seraphims that are there and, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. Go with me to Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. And this is where we have those words seraphim that's used in Scripture. And it's quite an amazing thing to see this Isaiah chapter number 6. And verse number one. And we'll see some similarities between these creatures, but I don't want us to lose sight of the holiness of God. He says in Isaiah 6 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Boy, we heard that before. In Revelation, he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Watch this. Each one had six wings. Boy, I think we read that before in Revelation. Six wings. And with twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Boy, what a sight to behold. Isaiah saw this, this scene in heaven of the seraphims that were standing around. We don't have all the description. Matter of fact, he said the seraphims covered his face, but John was allowed to see the face. And one had a face as of a lion. One had a face as of a man. One had a face as an oxen. One had a, or a calf. One had a face as of an eagle. And he was allowed to see the face, but they had six wings nonetheless. And they were saying the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. Man, when you realize the holiness of God, and you realize, boy, it makes you appreciate so much more, God's love for us. I can't remember what preacher it was, but I heard a preacher, and I want to say it was even right here at our church, several, a couple, maybe a couple years, maybe five years ago or so. He was preaching, and and he said, he said, God's love for us is like, man, going to, us going to a dumpster and pulling out something and cleaning it all off. And you think about it, how holy God is and how righteous God is and coming to earth to save and redeem us. Boy, there's a lot of similarities. And we see that holiness in heaven that God is holy sitting on his throne thrice holy that they would cry out, holy, holy, holy. This is the same scene that is unfolding before John. And, and you can't go to heaven and you can't be in the very presence of God without realizing how truly holy and righteous God is. Boy, it makes us feel so insignificant and so small. 
to behold the very holiness of God. Matter of fact, if in, in Isaiah, you, you notice what Isaiah said. He, he sees the holiness of God. He's impressed immediately with how holy God is. The next thing he realizes is, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And you just can't help but realize how holy God is and how unholy we are. And these seraphims are there crying night and day. Look at what it says there back in Revelation chapter 4. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Boy, God's power is inexhaustible. We can't, I can't fathom that. I mean, I'll go, I will go until I fall asleep. This past week we've had our family in and we've just been going, going, going. And, and man, I, I just sit down on the couch and maybe I'm going to catch a game or something. And man, I'm sitting there for a little bit and I'm gone. And I'm like, wake up and I'm like, was I out for very long? And they're like, well, half the game's over, Dad. And I'm like, was I snoring? Not too loud. We need rest. Hey, listen, we can't imagine God's infinite power that he draws from almighty. He's not lacking power in any regard because he is all powerful. He is almighty. He never gets worn out. He never gets tired. He is all powerful God. And they proclaim that holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty. And then notice this. They say, which was and is and is to come. I have a hard time wrapping my head around all of that. Because I tell you what, I, I was born into this world in 1975. That was last decade. It's not really that old. I was born. I have a starting date. Shane Rice came and I got a birth certificate. It's got my name on it and this place. And I was born into this world. And, and you know what? Probably someday if the Lord Terry is coming and I'll pass from this earth, you know what? I'll have a death certificate that'll have a day at the end of my life here on earth at least. But we know that eternal life will last forever. Uh, that's the difference between that's 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 everlasting life. We have a starting point, but our life will last forever in heaven and for all of eternity. But God doesn't have a starting point. Man, we have a hard time understanding that. But they proclaim that, which was and is and is to come. In other words, he will, he'll never uh, run out. He is eternal. These are the seraphims that are saying this. They're proclaiming the holiness and the power and the everlasting uh, or, or eternality, rather, of God that is sitting on the throne. I want you to picture that. Just imagine that. That scene as it unfolds. Look at what happens afterwards. The Bible says there in verse number 10, Go to verse number 9. And when those beasts, those seraphims, which cried, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him. Those seraphims, those angels. They're crying out night and day. And they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And when they do, those, those 24 elders, which were seated in seats that are, that are close by the throne, the Bible says they fall down 
and they worship Him. Hey, there is something to being bowed down to the Lord God. They probably honestly fell prostrate, completely face down on the ground in the presence of Almighty God. Listen, that happens in the Old Testament. You find when God comes, those people, man, they lay flat down. Why is that? Because there's something about just being out of reverence, bowed down humbly and completely before God in His holiness. I was reminded of Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That verse is so, so clear. Hey, listen, that, that every knee, not just the ones in heaven, that these elders are bowing down before God, not just those elders, but the things that are in earth as well. And listen, the things that are under earth, hey, those things that are in the deepest pits of hell, hey, listen, every one of them are going to have to bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, to the glory of God the Father. Hey, man, what a, what a wonderful scene as these elders fall down before God. And listen, as they're laying there uh, on their faces before God, listen to what they say in verse number 10. It says, They fall down before Him uh, that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. We get that idea. Hey, we're going to cast our crowns at His feet. Man, that's what's going on in this scene. They're taking those crowns and they are casting them before the Lord Jesus Christ saying, hey, you're worthy of our worship. You are, are, are the one to be worshipped and adored. The things that they say uh, is in, that is, is kicked off by those seraphims that are saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then these elders bow and they, uh, they begin to worship and they're, they're worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. But then look at in verse number 11, it says, Thou art Worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they were and they are and were created. Listen, not only are they worshiping, but they're worshiping why? Because He is worthy of our praise. And you look at all of that, and and could you just for a moment? Think with me about being in heaven and somebody saying, well, but man, I really love my car. I really love my motorcycle. Nobody's going to be thinking of any worldly, earthly possessions whatsoever. Because you're in the very presence of God Almighty. Man, you see that and you say, wow, what a state to be in. Hey, we're going to be there. If you're saved, if you're born again, when that trumpet sounds, we're out of here. Hey, listen, that's where we're going. 
We're going to heaven with that scene. We won't have to try and imagine it. And listen, I think God will give us perfect understanding and you'll know a whole lot more than I do now. And you'll know what those seraphims are and you'll know what they represent and what they stand for. And you'll see those four and 20 elders that are sitting around the throne and you'll see that they are worshiping God. Man, what are we? We're going to fall on our faces before God and say, you know what? He is worthy. He's worthy of everything. And I could, I could just imagine all of us thinking, I wish I had done just a little bit more. Because He's worthy of everything. Everything that we do, everything that we give, every, every ounce of, of breath that we breathe and songs that we sing and time that we dedicate to Him, He's worthy of every bit of it and so much more. Praise the Lord for the tribute that is given by the seraphims, the elders, as they worship. And then they recognize that He is worthy of all of it. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I know I, it's a little bit different going through the book of Revelation. There's a lot there. There's a lot of teaching. But just imagine... It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're being revealed to Jesus Christ as He sits on His throne in heaven. What an incredible scene. What a great opportunity that we would praise Him and worship Him for His righteousness and for who He is. Father, we thank You that, God, You would love us God, that you'd come as a sacrifice and shed your own precious blood on the cross of Calvary so that we could be saved, so that we could be born again. And God, that as we see this small glimpse, and God, with our very limited capacity of understanding as we look at all of this, God, thank you for the glimpse that you give us of heaven. And Father, for this wonderful scene that unfolds, and these elders that are before you that are casting their crowns at your very feet. God, what a wonderful scene. What a wonderful place. And God, I pray that as we think about eternity, as we view this scene unfold, God, may it make us fall in love with heaven just that much more. And not love the earth and not love the world that much more. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. Help us to have a glimpse of heaven and a glimpse of you in our life as John did. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you just want to thank him for the salvation that he gives us. Man, he's so good to us that he would shed his own precious blood on the cross of Calvary. And we see this scene of righteousness, holiness, worship, that the angels are worshiping God. These elders that are close to God and, and there and, and they're worshiping God. What an incredible scene. What a great day that'll be.
we arrive in heaven, no more to battle the flesh, no more to battle the sin, but to worship purely, completely, at the feet of our Savior.